0: save your ministries we're praising the lord today as usual that's what we do best here we praise and worship the king now i would like to ask a question today to start off with does anybody have a testimony to start off with today i haven't done this every sunday but today i'm going to does anybody have a testimony that brings glory and honor to god come up here young lady i see you got your hands up tell us what jesus done for you Come up here and step up here with me and okay. tell us what the Lord done for you. Chris. Hi, my name is
1: Kristen, and I've been a Christian for many years, and uh, I've never been able to be an overcomer or walk victorious in the Lord uh, over the flesh nature. And it's always been real upsetting to me, and so um, I started having some health problems because probably because of all my anger. I had, had rage, profanity, and um, started having trouble swallowing, and so I came last week and. The Lord delivered me, and I had um, a full week with no rage, no anger, and I can swallow. And And I, I feel set free, and I've never felt freedom in Christ. For the first time, I feel that freedom.
0: Praise the Lord. Thank you. Praise the Lord. The Lord said you shall know the truth, and he shall set you free. Do you know your mom and daddy's here? You saw them. Praise the Lord. Oh, yeah, they're sitting out there with you. I saw you. Glory to God. Anybody else got another testimony? You want to come up here? Come up here and tell us what the Lord had done for you. My goodness gracious, this girl's got an awesome one. I haven't seen this girl in a while. But here she is. Praise the Lord. She's had a, she's had a battle. <laughs> me and her have been fighting this battle together. I'll let her tell you about it. It's been Oh, awesome
1: this one. has been a heavy one. Thurman, tell me you can't have a, t- a testimony without a test. And for 55 days... I've been in a hospital. My dad, 85-year-old dad, he got uh, had a blockage in his abdomen, and I got a phone call on New Year's Eve day, and said, uh, "Your dad's in emergency room. You need to come up here." So on the way there, I called Thurman, <laughs> and so he wasn't there, but I left my message. <laughs> I got to the hospital, and we were in the ER for about I don't know eight hours, something like that, and as I'm in there by myself with my father, my mother was there, and then she had gone outside, and Thurman called. And at one point, my dad had turned to me and said, I don't think I'm going to make it through this one. And I said, oh, yes, you are. Yes, you are. You know, I stand on faith, and yes, you are. And so about that time, Thurman called me up on my cell phone, and I laid hands on my dad and stood on Mark 16:18 that "And these attesting signs shall follow those who believe. In my name, they will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And so I laid hands on him. And then we agreed in Matthew 18, 19, 20, to, to gather together ask anything of the Father. He'll do it for you. So we went, then we went through an emergency surgery with everyone saying this man is not going to survive. But, of course, and he's gonna have, if he does, he's going to have a bag outside his body. But he didn't. So he survived that. So then we were in ICU 23 days. And I spent every single day there for actually the last fifty five days i think six nights I went home and slept in my own bed twice i slept twenty four hours straight uh, it was It was an emotional roller coaster at one point about and every day was something dramatic you know the blood pressure dropping the 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 fever spiking the, he at one point uh, his, he got pneumonia and he got all these infections in his body and and this one doctor who it's his main doctor came out and said, well, he's probably not going to make it. Just know this. And he said, "If he may, he has maybe 20% chance. So that kind of tore me up. <laughs> so I called Thurman again. <laughs> and I go back into ICU, and I'm sitting there and by myself again. And this nurse walks in, and she said, we normally don't do this, but your pastor's on the phone. <laughs> I go out in the middle of the ICU where all the doctors and the nurses are, and Thurman's on the phone. And I'm, I'm leaning on, on the rail, you know, talking to him. And he tells me, he said, well, you know, you, you've had your dad longer than you're supposed to have him. And I said, I know, I know. <laughs> he talked to me about heaven. <laughs> I said, I know, I know. <laughs> And I said, but I'm just not ready to give him up yet. She's
0: going to fight the battle a little longer. <laughs>
1: and I said, well, I feel like I need this two-by-four You know, I've got a lot of faith, but this thing is really knocking me to the ground, you know. And he said, well, is he fighting? And I said, yes. And you could tell, like, when I would talk to him that this little monitor thing would move, you know. He knew we were there. And so he said, well, you want me to fight the good fight with you? And I said, yes. So we again prayed, and we stood this time on John 14, 13, 14, that whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father is glorified through the Son. And if you will ask anything in my name, I will do it. Amen. And we agreed on that. Amen. So I went back in there ready to fight again. I mean, every day I just either stood over him or sat there. I mean, you just can't even imagine. Maybe you can't. Maybe you've been there. But I would sit in a little chair with my head on the back of a computer keyboard, like, the whole time. It was just, it was so hard, not just seeing him there, but just. Just all the negativity, all the doctors coming in saying, oh, he's going to go on dialysis. Oh, he's had a stroke. Oh, he's not going to make it. I mean, it's like it's like not just not just fighting the devil, but fighting all the flesh that was coming in there and telling me. I have five different doctors telling me this man's going to die. And I'm saying, I don't accept what you say. You know, I stand on the word and I had my Bible laid out. I had it on his bed and they'd walk in they'd, they'd come look at me. I just didn't care. Now, this what. girl's
0: borderlining on a radical, y'all.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm certainly radical now. <laughs>
0: Amen.
1: So So finally, after 23 days, he was moved into a room. And uh, every his doctor walked in, the one that had said he maybe might make it 20%. He walked in and he said, Howard, you're a miracle. And, of course, we all agreed and said, yes, Jesus is a miracle worker. And so uh, then we leave Saint Paul, and we go. And when we left, we go to Health South, a rehab hospital. I mean, this man could not even lift his hands. I mean, he couldn't move his wrist and lift his hands. He lost 22 pounds. He's a little bitty guy anyway, five six, and now he weighs 124. So, we went through rehab. We, because I spent every night right there, and uh, you know, I had to fight with him a little bit because you know it was hard for him to regain all his strength and everything. talk to him a lot about the Lord. And he's saved, but he's not exactly where I am. So uh, we we went through a lot of that. And finally, after, I forget how many days now, but I think uh, 26 days there. 29 in St. Paul, 26 there. And he went home and could walk, could walk. He could walk 175 feet. I'm not saying that he walks real good, but he's walking. And before he could drive, he worked and he danced, the Foxtrot with Christy, so... You know, praise the Lord, and we are so blessed, or I personally am so mildly blessed, just because serving an awesome God, but meeting Thurman a year and a half ago at Kinko's and having my faith built up the way that it is that, I mean, I now borderline on great faith. Now, this is a man of great faith, and that's what I had to have to, to help me. I think I did call you one more time. I think when his lung collapsed, he had pneumonia and his lung collapsed. That's yep. when I called you. I called you a third time. I mean, we talked several times, but I was in dire need at that point. But it's like to be able to call a man of great faith and know that he's standing in faith with me when my faith is teetering a little bit, that he, was, he put that two by four behind me and held me up there and, and, and kept me going so that I'd, I didn't lose hope and, and could stand and, and know that, that God is awesome and he just, it was wonderful. So. Yeah.
0: I only had to punch you the back two or three times with that too
1: before. <laughs> I know, I know. So praise the King. Thank you, Jesus, for restoring my dad. That was, that was the prayer Amen. that he would destroy from the top of his head to the tip of his toes and bring him back to where he was, and he's praise done that.
0: Praise the King. Oh, goodness. We serve an awesome God, don't we? He's an awesome God. Anybody else have another praise report? the Deanna? Praise the King.
2: Um, no, I don't have a job yet, but I am taking this opportunity to thank you all from the bottom of, your, of my not your, my heart uh, for all the blessings that you have given. The Lord gave it to you. And uh, you benefit, actually, because I do when I do pray, I do pray for every one of you. I lift no. you up. I give you in Jesus' hands. And whatever you need, I ask him to give it to you. you. So that's good. Now, some <laughs> things that happened to me since then. Um, I was uh, actually the enemy was trying to steal the money right away from me after I got it. I, I, I had a hit and run. Okay, it was it was a day when it was snow. It was in the evening. Okay, well, usually the old me would complain and say, "Why me, Lord?" Well, I didn't this time. I said, oh, "Well, thank you, Lord, because it could have been worse." I mean, I could have been killed, and, well, that would be good, because I would go too low. <laughs> I mean, but, you know, I could have been whatever. And, actually, uh, it wasn't that big of a damage. I glued it, you know, the, the, the light, you know, I, I fixed it for the time being. Because I didn't want any of this money to go for... That you know, later on when I got a job. Well, now, another thing, and I was praising, worshipping, and then I realized wait a minute, this is a, this is a uh, blessing in disguise. Why this happened to me? I have to find out. Well, that day I was so overwhelmed and fascinated by the snow that I forgot to really praise, worship, uh, and then I was with my dear friend Johnny and uh, another lady, we were driving to the snow and going, uh, visiting, and, and talking, and etc and went to healing school, I think. Was it healing school? That's right, okay. So I really didn't praise and worship. And uh, I think that's, so I opened the hole in my armor of God. Anyway, that's that. Now, another thing that happened, I was with this Muslim woman, okay? And uh, one of them, she knows me for a long time because I used to help refugees, you know, uh, translating, etc. And she was saying that she used to think of me that I'm a witch. Because being a Christian, uh, there there were some miracles happening to me. Like, there was a flood and all the apartments where I used to live, where I still live, fortunately. Thank you, God. Anyway, I shouldn't complain. Anyway, where I still live down in the basement. It's like inside and it looks like a catacombs, you know. And every apartment was flooded except mine because I prayed and asked God to pass me. Well, and he answered my prayer. Just like, you know, when I prayed... this job in retail be the last day around the Christmas so he answered that one so I expect he will answer also for a job you know anyway um, (laughs) so uh, because I have lots and lots of books that's one of my obsessions and I I didn't have shelves uh, enough shelves to put them on so most of my books they were on the floor so if the water came in I mean they would be damaged well dear Lord Father God he you know he just passed by and I was telling that to Ferida and she said, you must be a witch. I said, no, I'm not. I'm a king. I'm a daughter of the king of the universe. Amen. And then this same lady, this same lady, this Muslim lady, she was telling to the other lady, you know what? And she was sincere. It, wasn't like, it was not like she was, you know, making fun. You know, she calls herself, she, she believes that she is the daughter. Do- no, she didn't say she believes. She said, you know, she is... She, be, she is the daughter of the King of Kings. That's how she said it, okay? I said, I am. And I end up, believe it or not, <laughs> I end up praying for them. I end up, because I have memorized Psalm 91. So I, I, I was doing that and telling them, you know, I, because I do pray for all these refugees from Bosnia, mostly Muslims, I guess. I pray and then I pray Psalm 91 and I, you know, and salvation and all that. So I was telling them that and I was translating uh, the Psalm 91 and they were fascinated, they were hearing me, which was like, wow. And then one of the ladies, uh, older lady, very traditional, very Muslim, she said to me, oh, would you put me on your list also and my son? And she has a grown son. I said, of course. Actually, I said, you are in my prayer, you see? because." I mean, when I do pray and I do pray, then I said all of the refugees that I have met and that I have helped and the ones that I haven't, please dear Lord, you know, and da, 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 da. So, and now they are moving and they would love for me to come because they are a little bit on the superstitious side. They think I'm gonna bring them, which I am, uh, thanks be to God, you know. But the way they look at, you know, they think, you know, I'm like a good charm or something like that, you understand what I'm saying? Okay, well, anyway so that uh, this is what's been happening I also have to uh, confess I was a little bit down in the dumps and when I'm like that I'm like uh, that bird that puts her nose in the sand the ostrich ostrich I ju- or a snail I just pull <coughs> back you know because of the job situation because what I really would like is what I'm an artist and I'm also makeup artist but not just little you know do one in the store, or whatever. I am a trained in Hollywood and in Boston and I, I can do from glamour to gore and I have very uh, very very beautiful portfolio but I don't have a resume and I don't have cards yet and I don't have connections so if you have any connections and no, remember me <laughs> not just in prayer but you know because that's the kind of job I'm looking for because I'm trained and I'm good but in the meanwhile I said to God because I don't want to be uh, uh, arrogant which I tend to be sometimes, I guess. I'm a human. I ask, okay, dear Lord, I will take any job just so uh, that I work, because it's very depressing not to work, but just not to retail if at all possible. But if you want me to, even retail, I'll take. But you answer my prayer and say, and I ask you to be the last day, and you, you know, you, uh, so I lost the job, so I don't think you want that. So anyway, okay. That's enough.
0: God bless you and thank you. Oh, glory to God. Praise the King. Come up here, brother. Anybody else that's got another testimony, come on up here. We'll let you give it. We're we're listening to testimonies. Praise the King.
3: I just want to get up here and glorify the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Uh, Last week, um, I was with a group in a leadership training out in Utah. And uh, one of those days, Wednesday it was, uh, we were treated all, all treated with a snowmobile outing, and this was high up 9,000 feet, in, and it was out in the middle of nowhere. And during this time, well, there was a lady that developed double vision and severe headaches, and she said it was from an old injury. And I asked her if she'd uh, like me to pray for her. She said, oh, would I please? So I did. And she had immediate release of the, the uh, headache, and her double vision went away, and she said, oh, that feels good, you know. And so I praised the Lord for that. And then a little bit later, uh, there's this real long hill. And then people were going up on the snowmobile and then riding down on these inner tubes. Well, they, there was some someone that collided at the bottom. <laughs> and there was one lady that her jaw got knocked out of place and she had severe pain in her jaw area. And this lady that I had prayed for earlier said, why don't you have Eldon pray for you? And so, anyway, they looked me up, and I prayed for her, and I tell you what, her her jaw snapped back, unless you, you could hear it. It just popped. Amen. Back Amen. Praying uh, in faith, <laughs> brother. <laughs> so anyway, the I Glorify the name Amen. of the Lord Jesus. He's our Savior. He is our yeah. healer.
0: Yeah. When you pray in faith, that's it. When you learn to pray in faith, you get to see God do wonderful things like that. Got another one here? All right, praise the King. I hesitated
4: to uh, testify I'm first here, and, and I was prayed for here, but our God is. is He's the is same a, God, the healer. Uh, I went, I went to uh, an annual physical, and I already knew that I had problems. I was presenting with uh, decreased urinary volume and urgency and frequency, and those kinds of things. And I, I pretty well knew that I had an enlarged prostate. Well, the, they confirmed that that I had an enlarged prostate. And they gave me these pills to to shrink my prostate, and then they said, "Well, let me give you some pills for depression." They all they, all, they gave me Wellbutrin, and um, I'm not depressed, wasn't depressed, but anyway, I had all these pills, and I was reading I was reading about the uh, the shrinker, the one that shrinks the prostate, and I didn't like the side effects, and I don't like I don't hardly I don't take pills. But anyway, I don't know why it didn't occur to me to ask my pastor to. To, uh, pray for me and cut it out. You know, we just yeah. uh, sometimes you just don't. I, I'd known for three or four months I had a problem, but anyway, we were up front at my church praying for a, a young man, and and uh, I'd laid hands on him. I was praying, and and uh, Harold, and uh, then the Pastor said "Well, is there anybody else?" I said, I don't know why it just popped right then. I'd been a couple of weeks contemplating these pills, and uh, I said, "Well, why not?" And uh, and he prayed for me. And uh, my my uh, symptoms from that hour have been on a steady decline. But but the reason it made me come up here is because our God is more than enough. He gives us more than we ask for, more than we want. A week after that, I was in church, a small town in East Texas, and uh, the pastor, we had to sing a song, you know, we're praising and worship, and, and he's going up to the podium, and he gets up like this, and he, he bends over. And he points, and he said. Somebody is having a sharp pain right here. Well, I, I climb trees. I, I do tree trimming and things like that, and climb trees. And, and I'd been having a sharp pain on this side, right above my right kidney. Is what it felt like. And it, I mean, when it came, I mean, it was just like, like that, you know. And I deal with I stretch. I do this. I do that. I feel like part of I'm getting older. But anyway, he had the same pain that I had. I had not talked with anybody in my church about that pain. Our God gave him that pain, and he, uh, he said, whoever it is, come up here. And this is not one of his regular deals. His big ministry is not healing. Anyway, gone.
0: Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. Before we get into the Word, I'm going to tell you a great and awesome thing happened to me this week. I got one good testimony. As some of you know, that Bill Gothard has been contacting me to speak in his seminars. And he's technically set me up to speak in a seminar down in Big Sandy down here north of Tyler. There's supposed to be 4,000 people there. And then there's going to be another one about 4,000 people in Nashville a few weeks later, and then another one in Sacramento, California, and then another one in Indianapolis, Indiana. He went ahead and signed me up for those four and told me he wanted me to speak in those. And I told him, I said, Bill... You're a Southern Baptist, aren't you? And he said, yes. And I said, well, I'm a Southern Baptist too, but what I teach doesn't exactly run a parallel or run, you know, in line with what the Baptists teach. So I said, you might ought to want to listen to some of my videos or audios before you put me in there and get crucified by a bunch of your board members. And he said, well, send me some. So I said, okay. So I sent him some, and he shared them with the board members, and I've got several phone calls from different board members. And they have a real problem with what I teach. So Bill called me up there and said, Thurman? After listening to your videos and listening to your audio tapes, he said, I guess we're going to have to change the entire doctrine of the Southern Baptist Convention before you can preach in my seminars. And I said, well, if God wants me to speak in your seminars, He'll make a way. I said, it's all about God. I said, I'm I'm just here doing the Lord's work. Everything happens. It's Him. I just get to be a mouthpiece and a a person that gets to touch people in the name of our Savior. But I said, it's nothing with me. It's all about Jesus. So if He wants me to do it, He'll make a way. So Thursday afternoon, about, uh, well, sometime Thursday afternoon, he called. And when I got in, at about a quarter to five, I listened to my voicemails. And I had a voicemail from Bill Gothard's secretary in Chicago. And she said, very important, Bill wants to talk to you right now, as soon as you get in. So, 50 minutes to five, I picked up the telephone. I mean, 50 minutes till six, I picked up the telephone and dialed him. And uh, he came right on the line whenever she answered. I told her who it was, and she said, he wants to talk to you right now. And so he came right on the line. He said, Thurman, i got a real problem. I said, what's that? He said, one of my best people here, a man that's helped me do everything, video work, audio work, everything. He said he just walked in and said he'd just come from the doctor. He's in excruciating pain. His back is swelled. And said they told him he had to go home and lay there for a month, and then he's got to have surgery. He's going to be off work two or three months. And he said, I happen to think, hey, let's call Thurman before you go. <laughs> and so he called me, and he said, I want you to talk to him. Can you talk to him? I said, sure, is he there? He said, oh, yeah, I, I wouldn't let him go home. I told him he's got to stay here until you call. So I said, what's his name? He said, Andy. And so I said, well, put him on the phone. So Andy, come on the phone. I said, Andy, first question I've got to ask you, are you a born-again Christian? I said, I know you work for Bill Gossard, but i still got to know this. He said, oh, yeah, I'm a born-again Christian. I said, okay, some of the questions I'm going to ask you are very personal, but I have to ask. I said, it's unfortunate too many people don't ask these questions, but I said, i got to know, are you living in any kind of sin? He said, well, no. I said, you're not living with some some woman out of wedlock? No. I said, you're not going out and running around with people doing things you're not supposed to do? No. I said, are you talking evil about anybody? He said, no, sir. I said, uh, are you holding any grudges against anybody? He said, no, sir. I said, well, so far you sound like you're in pretty good shape for a miracle. We only got one sin that I know you're going to have to repent of without even asking you. He said, what's that? I said, you don't believe the word. He said, sir, I do believe the word. I said, no, 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 no. You either don't believe it or you don't know it. And I said, God told you to study his word and then believe it. And since you don't know it, that's why you're sick. He said, but sir, I do believe it. I said, no, you don't. I said, now I want you to turn over in your Bible to Matthew chapter 18, verse 19, and I want you to read that verse to me. He turned over to Matthew 18, 19, and he read it. And I said, now, Bill, I mean, Andy, I said, what did it say? He said, well, again, I tell you, there's two of us. I said, okay, let's stop right there. I said, I'm one and you're one. Is that right? He said, well, yes. So I said, last time I counted, that makes two. He said, well, yeah, we're two. I said, then he said, on earth. I said, now, I don't know about you, but I'm down here in Justin, Texas, sitting on the ground. I said, are you on earth or are you up in a satellite somewhere? He said, no, I'm up here in Mr. Gothard's office. I said, okay, so you're in Chicago, you're on earth. So, so far we meet that criteria. He said, well, that's true. I said, then what is the next thing he says we have to do? He said, we have to both agree. I said, okay. So if we meet all the criteria, and the Lord Jesus made that statement, then I said the next thing He says that we must pray the prayer of faith, and then we must be in agreement. I said, now then, this is the prayer of faith I want you to pray. I said, I want you to pray the prayer of faith, and I'm going to agree with you. I'm not even going to pray the prayer for you. I want you to pray it yourself, and I want to show you that God's Word works. I said, I want you to ask, first of all, I want you to rebuke that demon in your back. And now, first of all I said, I understand we as Baptists have a real problem thinking we can have a demon. But I said, What do you think's messing up your back? I said, if We're going to rebuke the demon. Then I'm going to ask you to ask the Father in the name of Jesus to send the Holy Spirit to restore everything the devil's messed up in your back. And then I want you to thank him for doing it, and after you thank him, then I'm going to agree with you. And then I said, Now Andy, before we go to that place, I want you to turn to James chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, and I want you to see what our King demands that we do when we pray. So he turned over there and read it, and he said, But you must pray in faith. I said, You know what that means? He said, Well, I think I do. But he said, After everything else you said, maybe I don't understand that either. I said, It means you must pray in accordance with the Word of God. That's what we're going to do. And then I said, What does he say? After you must pray in faith. He said, Nothing wavering. I said, You know what it means to waver? He said, Yes, sir. I said, He tells you in the next verse, He says, Because if you waver, you're double minded and unstable in all of your ways. You're like a tall sea wave. And I said, So what did He say that man would get from the Lord? He said, Nothing. Nothing. He said, He said, Let not that man think he shall receive anything from the Lord. I said, Now then, do you want to be healed or are you going to stay where you've been all your life? He said, well, sir, I want to be healed. I said, okay, you've got to do it God's way. Right. I said, so now then, you pray the prayer of faith. We rebuke the devil. We ask the Lord to send the Holy Spirit to heal your back, and he did, and I agreed. And I looked at my watch, and I'd been on the phone with them for 45 minutes doing all this. I said, now, Andy, it's 630, and i got a Bible study I've got to teach in 30 minutes. And I hadn't even changed clothes yet, so I said, i got to go. But I said, I'm going to hang this phone up, but tomorrow call me with your praise report. I guarantee you're healed. Oh, no. And I hung up the phone. And I ran in right quick, changed clothes, was gone in a heartbeat. And my phone rang within 10 minutes. And it was Bill Gothard. But they couldn't get me. So the next morning at 7 o'clock, my phone's ringing again. And Bill Gothard said, Thurman, this is the most awesome thing I have ever seen. He said, Andy was healed in five minutes standing right in front of me. I said, if the Lord wants me to speak in your seminars, He's going to make a way. I said, now then, what are you going to tell your board when they tell you that this stuff won't work, that this old crazy Baptist down here in Dallas is teaching? He said, you're right, I've seen it. It happened. He said, all you did was take the Word of God. He said, you didn't do nothing wild or crazy. You just showed him what the Word says. He even prayed the prayer, and you agreed with him. And he said, in five minutes after you hung up that telephone, Andy could bend over and touch the floor, and the swelling in his back was completely gone, and he's completely healed. And he said, this morning, he's still completely healed. I said, well, what are you going to tell your board? He said, I'm going to tell them, i seen it. It happened in my office. So who knows what God's going to do. But anyway, isn't the Lord awesome? Don't you love serving the king of the universe? Oh, I mean, I love serving the king. I love to see the Lord do these mighty, wonderful things. And, you know, and I think about that as soon as we got off the phone there. And then guess who he had on the phone? He said, now, before you go away. He said, I've told you about Andy's miracle. But he said, now, Dr. Adrian Rogers' daughter has cancer. And he said, I'm going to get her on the phone. And I want you to pray with her. I said, now, wait a minute. Tell me the story. He said, four years ago, we prayed for her and anointed her with oil and God healed her supernaturally. I said, okay. I said, tell me what happened next. He said, well, in a year and a half, the cancer came back. I said, Bill, I'm going to tell you what happened before you tell me. I said, first of all, we as Southern Baptists have not been taught what the Word says. We don't know who the enemy is. We don't understand how to fight the battles. And so we live in constant fear. I said, in fear, no faith works. I said, I'm going to tell you, this girl, when she was miraculously healed, you got a group of deacons or men together, And I don't know if there was an Adrian's church. I didn't ask him which one, but I hope it was in her daddy's church. But it might not have been. I don't know. But anyway, they did get a group of men. They did pray over her and anoint her with oil, and the Lord did heal her. But see, this battle we're fighting is an ongoing battle. When the devil is driven out, he never just goes away and stays gone. He always comes back for a counterattack. I mean, even when our Savior Jesus was here, when the devil approached him in the wilderness... Jesus fought him with the Word three times, and the third time, the devil started quoting the Word. And so the Lord had to quote the Word, too. Now, I'm going to tell you there's two well-trained attorneys, and one of them's Jesus, and the other one's the devil. And they both know that law book perfect. So you've got to know that law book if you want to beat the devil. I said, even when Jesus used the Word against the devil, and he left after three times... It says, and the devil left him until a more opportune time. So I said, I guarantee you, as long as you're alive on this earth, you're going to have to contend with the devil. But I said, you've got to know how to fight the battles. I said, now let me tell you something, Bill. I said, one of your board members called me the other day and told me. They asked me, was all, asking me all kinds of questions. And he asked me a question that I know I didn't give him the answer he wanted. He said, Mr. Scrivener, what do you think about Benny Hinn and his ministry? I said, he's a fantastic man of God. I said, he's serving the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, look, some of these people that we've checked out personally that said they got healed of certain, certain things, cancers and everything else. Six months or a year later, they were dead with the problem. I said, I don't doubt that at all. I said, but here's what happens in a Benny Hinn crusade. When you get 20,000 people worshiping the king in one place, I said, the Holy Ghost is all over that place, and Benny Hinn don't have nothing to do with it. I said, the Holy Ghost is moving. And I said, I've heard of people that would be a drunk outside on the street get sobered up and healed, sitting out on the sidewalk, and he's not even in there. I said, I've seen people get healed. I said, one of the men down at work for James Robertson was miraculously knocked out of a wheelchair one night and run around the stadium six times, and he's still totally healed, and he's working for James Robertson today. I said, he got healed in a Benny Hinn crusade. But I said, it wasn't Benny Hinn that's doing it. It's the Lord Jesus Christ by the power of His Holy Spirit. But I said, here's what's happening. They go there where the anointing is flowing. And the power of the Holy Spirit hits people. People get out of wheelchairs. People are healed from cancers and sickness and disease and bones appear in people's legs and all kinds of things. But it ain't Benny Hinn, it's God. I said, then those people, though multitudes of those people that come there looking for healing, when the mighty power of the anointing don't hit them, they don't know that Jesus healed them also. They just don't know. Nobody's ever trained them. They don't know. So I said, that's why they're there, seeking a miracle. I said, so what happens is, whenever those people get healed, they didn't have a clue what caused their sickness and disease to come upon them in the first place. With no knowledge of be- the devil and sin and doubt and unbelief being the culprit that allows the devil to come into us. I said, those people get sick and they don't have a clue how to keep him out. So whenever they leave there, when they get anointed with the Holy Ghost and power, and they get healed, they don't know how to fight the devil. So in six months to a year, a year and a half, the beast comes back to them again, and they still don't know how to fight him. So he comes right back in, only comes in seven times worse, and I said, he kills them. And I said, that's what's going on in the Benny Hinn Crusades. I said, so many of those people are doing that. But now then, I said, now then that we've talked about that, I said, now you're telling me that in the Southern Baptists we anointed a girl with oil. She gets miraculously healed, confirmed with a doctor, and a year and a half later she's back with cancer, terminal cancer. I said, sounds to me like the same devils hitting the Southern Baptists as hitting the people at the Benny Hinn Crusades. So instead of us making fun of Benny Hinn, why don't we start fighting this battle together and work together and get something done? I said, this is what God has called us to do. I mean, this nonsense of denominations and attacking Benny Hinn and everything else, I said, that nonsense has got to go out the window. I said, until we start working together, I said, I can't work with none of you until we start working together because the Lord tells me not to speak evil about no man. So I said, I can only speak evil about one thing, and that's our enemy, the devil. So I said, now then we've got a young lady, and I said, I'm going to tell you what she did. Whenever the devil came back on her, a symptom came upon her. When a symptom comes upon her, she's living in fear, hoping this thing won't come back. She don't have a clue how to fight the battle. Nobody's ever trained her. She don't have a clue she has power over Satan and his demons. She don't have a clue that the devil's the one who put that cancer on the first place. I said, so she's living in fear. When the devil comes up and puts a symptom upon her, all he's got to do is put one little symptom that was there before. And the first thing she's going to do, she's going to run to that doctor's office to be checked. When she gets there, she's going to find that symptom's there. She's going to find that cancer's there. Then the next thing she's going to do is run out there and start calling all of her friends and say, would you please pray for me? My cancer's back. And I said, there ain't enough power in the world to heal a woman with that kind of a testimony. I said, she's claiming it. She's killed herself with her own tongue. I said, Bill, have you never read where the Word of God says life and death in the power of the tongue? And I mean to tell you... Over the next thirty minutes or an hour, I talked to him on the phone. It's like the Word of God became a brand new revelation to Bill Gothard. I mean, he was spitting out scriptures, and as we was talking about the Word of God, he said, "Termin, it's awesome the revelation I'm getting just talking to you." I said, "Well, Bill, God's given me a simple way to present the Word of God, and that's why people are blessed, and that's why they get healed and everything else. The way I teach the Word, I said, I'm not trying to be up here and so, standing up here and trying to be some kind of showman." I said, I ain't trying to do nothing for me. All I want to do is glorify God. And I said, when I'm glorifying God, I give Him all the credit for everything He does, and I'm just one of you. But I said, you know, we're going to have to work together. I said, now then, call her. So he called the young lady. Anna is her name. He said it was Dr. Adrian Rogers' daughter. Anybody know Adrian Rogers? He's a pastor of a humongous church up in Tennessee. He's been pastor or president of the Southern Baptist Convention and everything else. And if there was ever a man that knew the Word of God, it should be Doctor Adrian Rogers. You know, I mean, I mean, this man has been in a, This man has got to be as old as I am or older. You know, and he's he's got to know the Word because that's all he's done all his life. You know, he's a humongous pastor of a humongous church. But maybe he's just like I was. Maybe he didn't know these things. Maybe he don't have the revelations God's given me. I don't know. But anyway, we called Anna. She gets on the phone. I talked to her and he said, Anna, I just saw a miracle happen in my office last night. Andy, the young man that works for me, which you know, was miraculously healed when this man and him prayed right here in my office. God healed him. So he said, I want God to heal you. And so I said, Anna, you got all your sins confessed and everything, and we went through all that. After we went through all of those things, she said, yes, she wasn't living in any kind of sin. I told her, well, you must have unbelief, you know, because that's a sin. If you have an unbelieving heart, God in Hebrews 3.12 says an unbelieving heart is an evil unbelieving heart. And unbelief, I told her, I said, honey... I don't know how many people I've seen healed in my ministry in the last year for that one sin. Unbelief. When they repented of that one sin of unbelief. We've had many in this congregation that has been miraculously instantly healed just when they repent of unbelief. Some of you have heard their testimonies. I said, so let me go through and, and give you a few promises. So about an hour later on the phone, showing her the mighty promises of God... I said, now then, do you see all these promises? And she said, yes, I do, but I have one question. I said, and what's that? She said, what about Paul's thorn? Oh. You Paul wasn't healed. I said, honey, I have all of those answers, but I don't have another hour and a half to explain all them to you. I said, would you please get off of Paul's thorn, since Paul wasn't sick. Paul's thorn was a messenger of Satan that was sent to buffet him. I said, Paul was not sick. I said, would you please get off of that unbelief and get over here in these promises, which are yes and amen to you every time, and let's get you healed. Now, you see where our problems and where our hang-ups are? We get off on something else. The devil deceives us so big time. I'm going to tell you, the man that walked across that country over there and healed all the people that he came in contact with, cast out all the demons, the people he came in contact with, Paul was not sick. Paul was never sick. You know. Now, then, somebody said, "But Paul had infirmities." <laughs> let, let me ask you this question: How many of you? How many of you said you saw the movie The Passion? Do you think if you'd have been there and been beaten like that, you think you'd have had some infirmities? Now, let me let me ask you: Did you have any of you ever in your life seen a? Did you see when that Roman guard picked up the cat of nine tails with the little pieces of steel and everything in the ends of it? Did you see when he was beating Jesus with that? Did you see what happened one time when he reached over and hit a wooden table with it and it stuck to the table and he jerked it out and it jerked pieces of wood out of the table? Then did you see one time when he wrapped it around Jesus' body when it hit here and it stuck and he ripped it and it jerked flesh from off the side of his body? That was one strike. That was with one lousy strike. I'm going to tell you, if I was to take a whip today that had nine leather cords in it, and it didn't even have a bone and steel and glass in the end of it, and I were to bring one of y'all up here and strip you off nude from the waist up, and I were to hit you one time with that, I can guarantee you would never come back to church here again. You agree with that, Dad? Now then, that's only one time. But Paul, how many times was Paul beaten with a cat of nine tails? Six times. Paul said, I was, we read over that. I was beaten 39 stripes, or 40 stripes minus one, six times, he says. Now, let me tell you something. I don't think there's a single person in this room that's ever been beaten one time with a leather whip in your back, on a naked back. I don't think there's none of you that have. If you have, then, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know it. But I'm going to tell you, if you and I had been sent to preach the gospel and they didn't like you and Satan had sent a messenger from him to buffet you or torment you and you're out here preaching the gospel and especially you go out here and you preach Jesus as a healer. I mean, he's the Savior. He's the healer. And you're preaching that Jesus heals every time. And all of a sudden you look and you say, I see, sir, you, that man right there on that little mat that ain't never walked a day in your life. I see you have faith to be healed. He said, get up, stand up on your feet and walk. And the man stands up on his feet and walks. And everybody there, they grabbed Paul and Silas and they said, the gods have come down among us. And Paul says, I'm not a god, I'm just teaching you about the God. And then in just a few minutes, a group of Jews comes over there and said, these men are teaching a lie. Now, what did they just see just a few minutes before? A miracle. They saw a man that never walked a day in his life, everybody knew him. Paul was new there, and Silas was new, and everybody knew that man. They knew he'd never walked a day in his life. And this man is up running around, jumping and screaming and hollering. And one minute they want to make them gods, and the next minute they want to drag them outside and kill them and stone them. So this group of demons in these people, that these thorns in the flesh, these messengers of Satan that had been sent to buffet Paul, in these people... They're convinced these people, and these people, that just saw a miracle, is dragging Paul and Silas outside of town, picking up huge rocks. And let me tell you, when they stone you, they don't pick up a little bitty rock. They pick up big ones. And they plan to kill you. So they don't kill you with little bitty stones as big. They pick them up as big as they can handle. And they throw them at Paul, and they killed him. And drug him outside the dump and left him at the city dump and left him for dead. I'm going to tell you, I believe Paul died right there. I believe he was dead. And I believe that God was merciful to him and raised him from the dead. Because he wasn't through with him yet. He sent a bunch of those apostles out there. And when they went out there and laid their hands on him, I believe with all my heart, the, the God we serve raised Paul from the dead. Now then, when he raised Paul from the dead, after he had been stoned and left for dead, what do you think your head would look like if somebody brought you in here, and 20 or 30 of us were to pick up rocks this big and we throw them and hit you in the chest and the face and the heads and the eyes and everywhere. When If it didn't kill you when you did wake up, what do you think your face and body would look like? You think you'd have an infirmity in the flesh? I think you would. You think you'd be a little weak? I think so. But he was stoned and left for dead and he lived over it. And then... He said, I've been beaten with the forty stripes minus one, which is thirty-nine stripes, six times. Now then, he's over there preaching the gospel. And somebody don't like it. This group of messengers of Satan that sent to buffet him, they're out there doing the same thing. And the next thing you know, Paul's preaching the good news of Jesus Christ and love and all that stuff. And there's a group of these men now got them up there and they got them strapped up there naked. And these big old Roman guards are beating a thunder out of Paul and Silas. Both of them. All they're doing is preaching love. They ain't not killing somebody. They ain't not murdering nobody. They're preaching love. Now who is it in the world would torment somebody for preaching love? Only the devil. Only the devil. Ain't nobody going to do harm to somebody that's preaching love. Except the devil. The devil is in people. And so these people, these big old Roman guards... Can you imagine Paul and Silas and they've got them stripped off naked and they've got their hands chained in locks where they can't get away and they take these big old leather deals that's got nine leather straps coming out of them and they're just beating the thunder out of them. And guess, what's, guess who's in the man that's doing it? A devil. A demon. Do you think that demon wants to get kill Paul? Yes, he does. Now then, can you imagine what your flesh would look like if I were to take you and ch- chain you up and take a leather strap and hit you 39 times. That thing wraps around your face. I thought about last night as those things wrapped around Jesus' face and tore some meat and flesh. And whenever they finally looked at him, his face, they showed a close-up of his face. And his face was tore all to pieces. Eyes were closed. I mean, skin. In fact, one hour into the show, right in the middle of Jesus' beating, somebody jumped up and screamed, is there a doctor in the house? Somebody just passed out. They shut the movie down for 15 minutes trying to get that person out i'm telling you i'm going to tell you what i saw in that movie last night still doesn't do justice to what them demons did to our jesus the word of god says in isaiah 52 verses 14 and 15 that his body was marred more than any man there has never been a man that was beaten like our jesus and he did that for you and me So we wouldn't have to bury it. I'm telling you what, you just don't know how thankful and gracious you ought to be. And any Christian that will not go out and tell somebody else about Jesus in your workplace or wherever else, wherever else you are, I'm telling you, you don't know what Jesus did for you. If you're ashamed to talk about your Jesus, you don't know what that King did for you. You don't know. You have forgotten what you've been delivered of. And that's what's wrong with most Christians today. We don't want to offend nobody. Well, let me tell you, I'm not a feel-good preacher no more, and I'm fed up with Christians being closet Christians. I want to get out there and do something for the king. I'm going to tell it just like it is, just like it's written in the Word of God, and I expect, I want to be nice and kind and loving to you as people, individuals, but I want to be meaner than the devil himself to the devil. I'm going to take the Word of God and kick that devil out. I'm fed up with him beating up on us as Christians. Aren't you? It's time we learn who we are and when the devil comes back on a precious little daughter like Adrian Rogers' daughter, Anna, when the devil comes back, we need to know that's a demon coming back to attack her and she needs to know she's got to have some warriors and somebody that knows the Word of God to stand over her and rebuke the devil and she's got to know she can't walk and live in fear because if she does, that devil's going to come back. So whenever... Without the knowledge of the Word of God and it being a revelation to you. Now, you can have the entire Bible memorized and still not know nothing about God's Word. I mean, you can have it memorized and it not be a revelation and you can't do nothing with it. And I'm going to tell you that people that have gone that far to memorize a lot of God's Word still has never sought the King. Because the King says that no Scripture in my book is a private interpretation but only as revealed to you by the Holy Ghost. And until you get serious with God and start spending some time with Him, He will not give you the revelation from His Word. You can be a good Christian. You can go to church on Sunday. In fact, when I think about what causes cancer and everything, I think about the first cancer case I ever had the privilege to see healed as a Southern Baptist deacon. And it happened in 1986. It hadn't been that long ago. Less than 20 years But I knew nothing as a Southern Baptist deacon and a Sunday school teacher about God's Word. Nothing. I mean, I studied it, but I didn't have any revelation on it. But the Lord's been speaking to me now, and this is the fourth time the Lord spoke to me, and I got a man healed when the Lord told me what to do in front of a man's hospital room. A Southern Baptist that was on his deathbed had been sent home to die with stage 4 lymphoma terminal cancer. The Lord spoke to me just as clear in front of his room. I heard an audible voice. When his wife told me he had days to live, the Lord says, Son, tell Ed to call the men of the church to pray over him and I'll heal him. Now, this is the fourth time I'd heard God's voice in my whole life. But just to tell you where I was, when I walked out of that room that day and walked down the hall, I looked up and I knew that was the Lord that spoke to me so clear. I said, Lord, you didn't hear what she said. She said he has terminal cancer. Now, see... This is where we are as Christians. We don't know who our king is. We don't know that when our king took that beating that I saw in that movie last night. We don't know that when our king took that beating, he took. And he took that beating without opening his mouth. And then they nailed him on that cross. I've told that story of many a time. And be, being a farmer and a rancher, That's meant a whole lot more to me, but last night I saw what I had talked about all of my life. I said, when they take a man and nail him on that cross, first of all, I can't imagine after the beating he took how he could have carried that cross as far as he did. I mean, he must have been a whale of a man. I mean, to have been beaten like he was beaten and then still able to carry that big beam. I mean, it astounds me. How he did that. But when they took him out there and laid him on that thing and nailed him on it. I mean, you got to realize they really nailed him on it. Nails as big as your finger. Nailed his hands and his feet. And then, in the movie, they literally took the beam and turned it over and let it drop with him on the other side nailed on it. And then they took ropes just like they really do and pull the thing up and put the end of it in a hole like i've said many a time i said i used to dig big corner posts post holes and then i would take a great big old eight foot long post i got a three foot deep hole and the hole's bigger than the post and the post would be almost big as i could pick up sometimes and great big ones and i'd pick them great big ones up and i'd pick it up high as i could and then when it fall in that hole it fall to hit the bottom bam solid as a rock They picked him up in that hole, put put that in there last night, put ropes on it, and raised that big cross up, and that ends that thing. And that thing fell in that four-foot-deep hole, and our Savior nailed him in there when he hit the end of the thing. He jerked his arm to out of socket. You could hear him pop, pull in a movie. I thought, Lord, you did that for me. You did that for me. And I said, Lord... You took that beating for me, and you said, by your stripes, I was healed. And the minute you died on that cross, you said, no man takes my life from me, but I give it for you. So the minute he gave give up the ghost, and he died, Satan had put him on that cross, and he'd put a man that was totally without sin on that cross. And when he put him on there, and when he gave his life up, Satan, Satan was the one that was responsible, technically. For killing Jesus. And we were all responsible because of sin. But Jesus, when he gave his life, Satan committed the biggest blunder of his life. Satan was now condemned in the judicial system of heaven because he had taken the life of an innocent man that he had no claim to. The first one in 4,000 years. And Satan was destroyed. And that's what Hebrews 2.14 says. By becoming flesh and blood. By becoming partaker of flesh and blood, he, Jesus, destroyed him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. How did he do it? By just exactly what the Genesis 6-9 law says, that any time an innocent man's life is taken, the man that kills an innocent man, his blood shall be required of him. That's how our Savior defeated the devil. When Jesus defeated the devil on the cross, I'm telling you that it is now finished. When he said it's finished, now then, by his stripes you are healed. By his blood you are saved. By his power, since Satan has been stripped of all power and armament. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15 says, He spoiled principalities and powers, or disarmed the principalities and powers, he stripped them of all their power, and all their armament, and He triumphed over Satan completely in it, the cross. If Jesus done all those things and then turned to you and me and said, Behold, in Luke ten nineteen and 20, in Luke ten nineteen and 20, behold, I give unto you power or authority to trample on the serpent, Satan, and his demons. All power is given to you over them. They shall in no wise hurt you. Be not thankful that the evil spirits have to be subject unto you, but rather be thankful that your names are written in heaven. The average Christian knows none of those verses I just quoted to you. I was a Sunday school teacher and a deacon, and I couldn't have quoted none of those. You'd ask me, do you have power over the devil? I said, well, I don't know. I don't know. Are you afraid of the devil? Oh, yeah, I don't want to get too close to the devil. He might do something to me. I even, now, since, I, since I've learned what I've learned, I said something in a Pentecostal church one day. Somebody said something about the devil. He said, I don't ever talk about the devil because I'm afraid I'll upset him and he'll come get some of us. <laughs> With that kind of an attitude and that kind of knowledge of the Word, it's not a wonder. The devil's already in control in that church. But I'm going to tell you, the Word of God tells me and you that we have been given all power and authority over the devil. All. Now then, why does it seem like Satan's running thing? Because there's two realms. There is the flesh realm and the spirit realm. How many Christians do you know that live in the flesh realm? The majority of them. Just like I did most of my life. We don't know what the word faith means when God says, Be holy for I am holy. Well, somebody says, Well, now that sermon, I mean, I'm just an old, unworthy sinner. And I sin all day, every day. Well, let me tell you, get over that. Stop doing it. You know? You're not an unworthy sinner no more. Jesus, with the blood of Jesus, He made you the righteousness of God in Christ. If you're the righteousness of God in Christ and all power has been given to you over the devil, then walk over here in the spirit world with Jesus instead of out here in the flesh world with the devil. If you work out here, walk out here in the flesh world where the devil is, and you don't do what the Lord tells you to do, and you don't know His promises, I'm going to tell you, out here in the devil's world is killing, stealing, and destroying. In fact, you can go to a hospital. You can go to a hospital and they may cause you to suffer more in that hospital than you were suffered if you stayed at home. There's only one difference. They're going to charge you ten or twenty thousand dollars for a few days. Is that true? I mean, I think about a small surgery on a human being today. In fact, I think about before I had faith, before I knew what it was. I went in as an outpatient 20 years ago and had a little tiny hernia surgery that took him less than 30 minutes to do the surgery. You know what the doctor? When I went in and talked about this with him, and of course I didn't have enough. I had enough faith to do it without any medication. I Had enough faith to get up off that bed and go home right after it was over. I had it done as an outpatient. I had enough faith to go back to work Monday morning one week later after a hernia surgery and carry my bags, and I never had any complications. I had enough faith to get all the scar gone. Today you can't see where there was ever a cut on my body. I had enough faith to do all those things, but I didn't have enough faith to get it healed without a surgeon. So that's where my faith was. I walked in and asked the guy to look at it. He did. He said, you got a hernia, and you need it fixed. I said, what are you going to charge me? He said, $875. I'll do the surgery for $875. I said, how long does it take? He said, about 30 minutes. I don't know about you, but as an engineer, I didn't make that kind of money. I mean, that's only, you know, about $2,000 an hour. I don't know about y'all, but I I worked a long time for $2,000. I sure didn't make it in 30 minutes. But he didn't have any problem telling me he'd do it for, you know, $875. Take 30 minutes, 45 minutes maybe. So I said, this, that's going to be the cost. He said, that's a cost. Okay. Well, I let him do it. He'd done the surgery. I was in there just a few minutes. He sewed me up, put that little patch in me, whatever. I got out, and I got up off my bed, and I went home. I wasn't in the hospital four total hours solid from the time I, they put me out that morning until I was up, and I was out of there with my clothes on going home. So a few weeks later, I get a bill. Twelve hundred and something dollars. I called him, I said, I thought you said eight seventy five. Oh he said, Yeah, my part is eight seventy five. I said, What's his twelfth something? Oh he said, that's the first part of the hospitals. I said, The first part he said, Yeah, you got to have a hospital room and then all kinds of stuff. And when I finally got all the bills, all that that one morning cost me over three thousand dollars. That really came from God, didn't it? It really did. Well see I didn't have any faith. Or I had a little. Three thousand dollars it cost me to have a little tiny thing. Now, I don't know about you, but the God I serve don't charge that kind of money to do business. But He's a faith God. I've now seen God heal things, do things, miraculous things. I've seen Him heal everything you can know, you can imagine. And how many of you that ever let, I mean, that totally trusted God, just like I did with my spider bite here a few months ago, whenever, I can guarantee you when my aunt got bit with a brown recluse spider, she spent six weeks in the hospital and she had two or three surgeries. And she had a terrible scar left on her leg, and she was a woman of God, supposedly, but she didn't have a clue what faith was. Back in those days, I didn't either. But when I learned what faith was, and it's the Word of God, when that brown recluse spider bit me on the elbow, I just chuffed him off, no problem, and praised God and thanked Him for His promises. You did it swell up? Oh, yeah. The, the second day was it swell up? Oh, yeah. And the third day was my arms? Oh, yeah. But did I fall into fear? Absolutely not. I'm quoting the Word, thanking God for His promises. And by the end of a week, you couldn't tell where that spider had bit me. And guess how much Jesus charged me for that? What do you think he charged me, Susan? Zero. That's exactly right, young lady. Nothing. That's just like two years ago when I fell through that hole up there and tore all the skin off my left leg. Three inches long, an inch wide. Plumbed to the bone. Fell through a hole from a second floor, And when I started falling through that two-by-two hole... Carrying two sheets of sheetrock. When I fell through, I screamed, Jesus, help me. And I throwed my arms out like this. Now, how many of you know, of course, I'm 65 now, but I was only 64 then. How many of you know you've got to be a good-shaped 64-year-old man to hit like this, fall into a two-foot hole and do this and shoot yourself all the way back to the top? How many men you know can do that? None. But I did that. How do you think i do it? I called on the name of the Lord. He sent an angel and he pulled me right back up out of that hole. I guarantee you, I couldn't duplicate that today. And I wouldn't even try. But I was in trouble that day when I fell and I hit right there. It would have been fortunate if I could have just stopped myself right there. I sure couldn't have shot myself back all the way up with 180 pounds of weight out of that hole. But when I screamed, Jesus, help me. As soon as I hit, he threw me right back up out of there an angel reached down and picked me up set me on there and held the sheetrock rock up so it didn't even fall on me. But then when I looked down at my leg, All the skin's gone for three inches an inch wide. Blood's running everywhere. What are you going to do? What does the average Christian do? Call 911. Go to the doctor. I just pulled my sock up and said, Lord, thank you that you're my healer. Did Jesus say he heals how many of my problems? What is it we don't understand about all? Now, am I going to call him a liar or am I going to trust him? I'm going to praise him and thank him for his promises. Now, I realize it's difficult to do this. But see, especially when the pain's there. Well, somebody said, did your leg hurt? I said, no, I claimed that I'm free from all pain, so I don't have to bear pain. So by faith, I claimed that I didn't have any pain. But did I have the cut? Oh, yeah. And when I got home that night, my shoe was full of blood and everything, and my sock was bloody. I took everything off, took a shower, cleaned up, and put a stickless bandage on it and taped it up real good all the way around so it wouldn't bleed in the bed. So I went to bed that night, woke up the next morning, went back to work. That happened on Monday morning. By Saturday, I mean, by Sunday, especially Sunday afternoon, I come here and stood on it, preached, everything. My foot swelled so big, I could hardly get my boot on. But I put a boot on. I mean, it was tight and it hurt a little bit, but not much. So I just went ahead and I said, hey, Lord, you're my healer. You do everything. So I just ain't going to tell nobody. Well, when Wendell, he was here and he said something. And I said, yeah, I scratched my leg a little bit today or it was last week. He said, can I see it? I said, no, I don't want you to see it. <laughs> he said, I want to see it. Said, well, okay. So I get over here to the side and I pull my bridge's leg up like he looked at me and he says, Wow! I said, that's why I didn't want you to see it. You know? I mean, it's easy for people to stand in faith until they see it. You know, when you go by what you see, you can't make it. You know, when you walk into the hospital room where your granddaughters tore all to pieces, if you go by what you see, you lose her. You know, you, you don't you don't uh, go by what you see. you got to go by what's written in the Word. So anyway... When I got home that night from church, I finally got my boot off, and I'm sitting there, and my son-in-law, of course, which works in a hospital up in Denton, he walks in and looks at my leg, and he immediately began to speak curses over me. He thought, man, you got blood poison, your foot swelled up, your toes are black. I said, Toby, either quit speaking curses over me or go home. Well, see, we don't understand what we're doing. Well, we should agree in prayer with us instead of start speaking what we see. But we've been trained wrong. We go by what we see. Well, I run him off and got him out of the house, and I continued to stand on the Word. Because then you can't have unbelief around. I mean, you can't have unbelief around. I mean, just like I was telling some, telling some people about soul ties the last week or two, I've mentioned about soul ties, and, and I was told that, hey, I didn't understand what happened. I went over to a home of a friend, and I sat down with them to have dinner with them, And I didn't know why I got sick right after I left there. But I later found out that that person that I thought was married to that woman was not married. And they were living in sin. And I sat down and had a meal with them. And I created a soul tie with them. And that sin came to me and it made me sick. And the person said, I repented, broke the soul tie, and was healed. What did the Lord tell you? He said, "If a brother is living in sin and adultery, don't even go sit down and have a meal with him." Why do you think he told you that? Just to hear his head rattle? No, he told you that for a purpose. How many people do that? Oh, well, I you know. I'll go over and have dinner with him, and you know, I, hey, you need to go over and confront him. You two living together out of wedlock? I understand you're a Christian. You're a Christian. Well, yeah, I understand you got a divorce and to your husband you're living with this man out of wedlock. Is that true? Well, yeah. God don't understand that. You've got to repent right now and get out of that. But in the sermon, you're judging me. Yeah, that's right, I am. That's what God told me to do. He said, if I see a brother erring from the truth, go tell him. And if I, they can, if I convert them and win them over, I'll save them from death. That's what he said in James 5, verse 19 and 20. Now, what if they don't change? What if they don't change? Let me, let me give you an example, just one or two of those kind of experiences I've had. The other day when my son and I was out at the graveyard putting the gravestones, the markers, at my wife and daughter's grave, I finally got those after all that time, and we were out there digging the holes, put all that stuff in. We walked over, and he said, Daddy, that little girl right there, I knew her. She was my same age. I said, yeah. I said, I knew her too, son, real well. He said, Daddy, what happened to her? He said, I didn't know she died. I said, no, you left here in high school and you went to Christian school, so you lost contact with her. But so when that little girl was 16, son, she moved in with a boy. And her daddy came to me and asked me to go talk to her. And I said, I want to talk to her. I told her, I said, honey, are you a Christian? She said, yes. I said, your daddy tells me you've moved in with a boy. She said, Mr. Sherman, that's none of your business. I said, honey... If you're a king's kid, it's all my business because I'm a king's child too. The Lord tells me to tell you what to do. I said, now you must repent and move out from that boy. She said, I like living with him. I said, that don't have anything to do with it. What you're doing is sin and you must move out. She said, I'm not going to do it. Okay. I've told you. She got pregnant and had a baby. Got pregnant a second time. I went over one more time. I went over and told her, I said, honey, are you really a born-again Christian? She said, well, yes. I said, either you're lying to me, or you're just rebellious, one of the two. She said, I'm a Christian. I said, okay, I'm just going to tell you one more time. Jesus said, you're living in sin. And he said, that is the only sin you commit that's against your own body. And that sin will bring forth an early death. Because Jesus said it. I said, now then, are you willing to repent and move out and ask God to forgive you or not? She said, no. I'm going to do what I want to do. I said, okay. I won't ever bother you again. And I walked out of the house. She had that baby. She got pregnant a third time. By this time, she's about 22, 21 or 22. She moved, she moved in with him by about 16. By the time she's 21 or 22, she's got the third baby, and the baby's a month old. The other two kids appear to be growing, coming along okay. Her and that boy go to bed together one night with that baby. And the next morning, the baby wakes up, and he wakes up, but she's stone dead. Stone dead. Not quite 22 years old. Cause for death? Heart failure. 22. 21 or 22. Does sin bring forth death? I mean, the Word says it does. It's obvious we in the church don't believe the Word of God. And many of us will not confront someone that's living in sin. Now, the Lord clearly says we are to walk holy before Him with no sin in our life. And He didn't just make that statement one or two places, did He, Dick? He said it over and over and over because He planned for you and me to find it somewhere. He said, if you only read a part of my book, I'm going to put it in there so many times. All the way through, you are to be sinless. You're not to sin a little. You're to be sinless. Now then, here's a promise the Lord gave you. If you're sinless, if you come in and you walk holy before Him, now we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We know that. But when we come in and get saved, every sin you and I committed is under the blood, and we're washed clean and pure right there, and we're made just as if we had never sinned a day in our life. At that point, we we're pure before the King. Now he says, "Go and sin no more," because he said if you go out and sin more, something worse is going to come upon you. He said, "Now if you sin after you've come to know me," he said, "I'm going to put another promise in my book, First John one nine, that if you sin." Now you ain't supposed to use this. You ain't supposed to say, "Well, I got this. I'm going to sin all week, and Saturday night I'm going to confess all my sins before I go to church on Sunday." Let me tell you, I guarantee you're going to live a beat up life by the devil if you live right there. You're going to be trouble in your trouble in your finances. You're going to be trouble in sickness and disease. You're going to be trouble in all these areas, because if you live there, and a lot of Christians do, you will be beat up on by the devil. Because just to tell you how gracious God is. And how merciful he is. Just to give you an idea. If if this young woman had repented, God would have forgiven her. But she would not. She was rebellious. But I think about those two girls up in the South Bend, Indiana. That walked into that house, John's house that night. And whenever they walked in. And I talked to them about an hour and a half. I found out they were Christians. They didn't go to church very much. They didn't study the Word of God very much. They just were typical Christians we got fire insurance you know we go to church on Easter and Christmas there's too many of those you know that well whenever they told me all these things I said well girls tell me about y'all's medical history and Ruth said well what makes you think we have a medical history I said I've never seen a person that professed to be a Christian that didn't know what the word of God was that the devil hadn't beat up on you somehow you've had sickness and disease I said, he it, that's what he comes to do, kill, steal, and destroy. I said, you're considering the things that's happened to you in sickness and disease just a normal way of life. But I said, you should never be sick as a Christian, never. Yeah. By faith, you can walk there. I know I've had the privilege to walk there for the last 20 years, but it was not until I learned these principles. So anyway, Ruth said, well, yeah, I've had some problems. And she said, the most severe problem I have was my shoulder. And said, I've just been to the doctor, and they done surgery on my shoulder. And said, uh, they put bolts in my shoulder, and she said, it still hurts, painful, but I can raise it about this high. I looked over at Lisa, and I said, Lisa, how about you? She said, well, I don't go to church at all, Thurman. I said, okay, tell me about your medical history. I said, you, you do believe in Jesus? Well, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I don't take time to study the Bible or read it even, and I just don't have time to go to church. Okay, tell me about your medical history. Well, she said, I've had surgery on my back three times. They put two steel pins in it the last time. And I have all my discs in the middle of my back. These are middle-aged women. All the discs in the middle of my back are deteriorating, and my back is caving in. So this third surgery put two steel pins in my back. But she said, I'm still in excruciating pain, and now I can just barely walk, and I can't hardly bend over at all. And she said, I'm always in pain. They want to do a fourth surgery, but she said, I don't think I can go through another surgery. Now see, they're just considering this a normal way of life. Don't have a clue what's available to them as daughters of the king. I said, let me ask you girls a question. I said, Ruth, would you be willing to repent from your wicked ways and tell the Lord you're sorry for where you've walked and that you'll ask him to forgive you for not going to church and you'll start going to church and you'll start tithing, you'll start walking in love, you'll start walking in obedience to God's word. Would you do that for the Lord? She said, well, I I guess I would. I said, if you will, He'll heal you. She said, He'll do what? I said, Jesus is the healer. See, you didn't know because you didn't go to church and spend no time in the Word of God. The devil's had a heyday with you. And so she said, well, sure, I would repent. I said, well, just tell him. And about that time, Wendell walked in, and he started to sit down by her. I said, Wendell, you and her stand up there. And I said, Ruth, go ahead and repent. So she Repented and said, Lord, forgive me for not going to church and studying your word. She said, Lord, I'll do it. I said, Wendell, you're standing right there beside her. I said, put your hands on her. And I said, pray for her healing. So he did. And then I said, now then, Ruth, Jesus has healed you. Raise your arm. And she raised it up about this high. And she said, oh, right there. It still hurts right there. I said, oh, I forgot about those steel bolts in your shoulder. I said, now, Wendell. Command those bolts to become flesh and bone. Now the average Christian doesn't know, wait a minute, wait a minute, Thurman. Well, now, I mean I don't know about you, but God says I can do exceedingly abundantly above all you could even think or imagine. So I mean if you can't think and imagine something like that, you don't serve a big enough God yet. But I mean the God I serve, He made the universe in six days, or at least the earth. And I think he can do a whole lot bigger than what I can think. And I can think about them bolts becoming flesh and bone. As an engineer, that's not all that difficult. I said, Wendell, lay your hands on her and command those bolts in her shoulder to become flesh and bone. He said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I command those bolts in her shoulder to become flesh and bone. And now, Lord, I ask you to do a complete healing on her from the top of her head to the bottom of her feet. I didn't tell him to do that. He's just learned to do that. He's seen God do too many wonderful things when we tell him to do that or ask him to do that. And instantly, her total pain left, and she threw that arm straight up. She started screaming and jumping up and down, and as she's screaming, jumping up and down, saying she's healed, then she started hollering, oh my goodness, the arthritis in my knees is gone too. She said, I couldn't do this before. Now, see what happens when you ask the Lord to do a complete heating from the top of her head to the bottom of her feet? He healed that woman completely. And then, by this time, we hear this other voice over here behind saying, Lord, I repent, I repent, I repent. Isn't it amazing how we repent when we see God do a miracle? Yeah. Lisa is repenting. Lord, I repent. I said, oh, you're ready to be healed, are you, Lisa? She said, yes. She said, I never saw anything like this. She said, Lord, forgive me for not studying Your Word and going to church. Oh, she was pouring out her heart to the Lord. I said, now I want to walk over and lay your hands on her and command those. I said, how far can you bend over, Lisa? She said, that's it. I said, what else? She said, well, I can raise my legs enough to walk. I said, so those stainless steel rods are really doing a number on you? She said, yes. I said, Wendell, go over and lay your hands on her. Command those stainless steel pins to become flesh and bone. For her back to be totally healed from the top to the bottom. He did. I said, now, Lisa, bend over and touch your toes. Jesus has healed you. And the woman bent plumb down and laid her hands flat on the floor. And then she jumped up screaming and said, now, this is a real test. And she started to throw her legs up. And I guarantee she throwed those legs up above her waist. And that woman stood there and ran in place. And you talk about two girls that hadn't been in church or had church. Them two girls had church the next 30 minutes. When God shows up. Now then that totally changed those two girls' life. Totally changed their life. You see, just like if the average Christian, and I can see in some of your eyes... Some of your eyes, when I started to say, well, now, Mendel, go over and put your hands on that shoulder and command those stainless steel bolts to become flesh and bone. I can just see somebody say, well, no, wait a minute. He don't think that's going to happen. Well, just as soon as you flinched, I knew where your faith was. Is that right? I knew where your faith was. You're just like I used to be. You ain't got any. Because did the Lord say, Sherry, did the Lord say, I can do exceedingly abundantly above all you can think or imagine? Did He say that somewhere in His Word? Does anybody in here know where that's found? Ephesians 3.20. 3. Here's a young woman on the front row who's got that down. She's hiding the Word in her heart. I guarantee you. See, now, if you've got the Word in your heart, when you pull the sword out to fight the devil, if you ain't got no Scriptures on you and the devil comes against you and you reach down and grab the handle and you jerk it out, where's my sword? You know what the devil does to you? He said, oh, you're going to be a pushover. It'll be just like that movie. I've told this story two or three times lately. I like this about Crocodile Dundee. You know, the guy comes from the wilderness. I saw that movie with my wife years ago. It's been this long ago. I don't even remember it. But the one scene I do remember is when he was in New York City. Of course, I remember one scene when he's wrestling an alligator in the water with that big knife. And then another one was when he's in New York City and this woman's with him. And a guy walks up and pulls out a pocket and I give me your money. She screams says, Give me give him your money He said, What do you mean? Give him my money. He said he's got a knife. He looks at the little knife and he reaches down, he pulls out one about this long. He said, That's not a knife, this is a knife. <laughs> now see, when the devil comes against you, how big a knife does the devil have? He don't have one. His has been stripped. All of his power and armaments are gone. But if you jerk yours out and then they got no sword on it, no blade on it, you're in trouble. But when you jerk that sword out, if the end of that thing's dragging the ground because you've got Scriptures running out your heart and your head, I mean, you've got the Word in you, and when you start down, it takes you about this far to pull that thing out of the scalpel. When you get it out there like that, and you're holding it out there, and it's four or five feet long, the devil sees that, and all them Scriptures, he says, man, I believe I'll just go down somewhere else where it's going to be a little easier. I ain't going to fight you. See, Now, if you ain't got the Word in your heart, And that's what's wrong with us today. We don't have the Word in our heart. So when this poor little girl, Anna, when the devil come back to her, and she's already living in fear because she don't know the Word. If she had known the Word, the minute a symptom would have come back upon her, what would she have done? She would have grabbed that devil by the nap of the neck and she said, You devil of hell, don't you know my Jesus healed me on the cross? Don't you know that He defeated you 2,000 years ago? Don't you know you have no power over me? Don't you know that I have power to kick you out in the name of Jesus? And she'd start quoting them Scriptures, and I guarantee them symptoms. When Jesus said, Submit yourself to God in James 4, 7. Resist the devil. What do you resist him with? The Word. And when you resist him with the Word, what does the Lord say he'll do? He will flee in terror from you. What is the devil afraid of? The Word of God. Is he afraid of anything else? No. There's only one thing that will run him off. And that's the Word of God. Now then, if you speak the Word of God in faith, the devil's going to leave every time. If you speak the Word of God in fear, guess what's going to happen? The minute you get into fear, what happens when you get into fear? You take that... There's a perfect, beautiful picture in Matthew 14, verse starting with verse 24. Here we go on the stormy sea of Galilee, and here comes a man, and his name's Jesus. He's learned his dominion on the earth. He's walking on the water. They look up and said, "Lord,". "He said it's a ghost." He said, "No, guys, it's just me, Jesus." Peter said, "Lord, if that's really you, let me come to you on the water." He said, "Come on, Peter." Now, Peter starts to step out, and I can see the rest of them, baptists Methodists, Catholic, Pentecostals, <laughs> screaming at him, saying, Peter, you fool, don't step on that water, you'll drown. Is that us? That's us. That's the church. I mean, we're screaming. But Peter, he's got faith. He steps down on that water, man, and it's solid, and he walks on that thing. And I mean, the waves are out there, and the devil. I can assure you, the devil shows up. He knows if he don't do something right quick, he's going to have a... I'm telling you, when you, when you start getting 12, Baptists, Methodists, Lutherans, Pentecostals, non-denominational. Just 12 men and women walking on the water. The devil's in trouble. That's all you've got to have. Just a dozen. Because you take you people in here that are learning what you're learning and the testimonies you're having. You're going out there. You're taking the devil by the tail. You're throwing him out of your family's lives. You're getting people saved, healed, and delivered. Many of you are. And some of you, just like Cheryl... Cheryl has had some tremendous testimonies here. Well just like she said, just like I've told her many a time, you cannot have a tremendous testimony without a tremendous test. And I'm telling you she went through her test. I mean she went through her test. Every doctor's continuously telling her, Cheryl, your daddy is gonna die. It's over. They ain't no use to worry about it. And that second time when she said, Thurman, I told her, I said, now he's an old man. He's lived a long time. She said, well, I ain't ready to give him up yet. I said, "What if you're ready, to, you want to fight that battle. I said, it's going to be your and my battle because your daddy don't have the faith. He's not been trained. So it's going to have to be your, your, her daughter, his daughter, is going to have to stand in the gap for him. You've got to have someone with faith to win the battles over the devil. She said, I'm willing to fight. I said, okay, I know you're a fighter, girl. Now, of course, the reason she can fight is because two years ago, that girl had had a terminal, or not a terminal, but an incurable disease for 30 years. Now, she didn't know what caused it, but when she came to a healing school in June, like well, it'll be two years this June, whenever she came to a healing school carrying a 30-year incurable disease and found out what caused it, and she repented of her sin, and I reached up and touched her and said, Be healed in the name of Jesus. The King of the Universe healed that girl instantly right there of a 30-year incurable disease. That's why that girl can fight her battles. She knows Jesus is a healer. She knows when the sins are confessed, she knows she can draw back with the Word and cut the head of the devil off. But she's learned how to do it. But now she's walking in divine health herself. But whenever Peter was out there on that water, walking on that water, I can only see the devil come up there and he stirs up the winds and the waves. Because if he don't do something to get our attention, If He can get us to look at our circumstances, He draws us out there in His world. And He will beat you out there every time. But if you stay over here on God's side in the realm of faith, faith calls things that are not as though they were and they become. Now then, I will have to say, it's not easy. It is not easy when it's your body or it's your baby that's in pain or suffering or your husband or your mate or whatever... Whenever the devil is beating up on them, it's not easy. And the hardest part is when it's your flesh and you're not that well trained. I mean, the devil will put pains and symptoms upon you and he'll do everything he can. But as long as you don't step over in his realm of what you see, the sense realm, you stay in faith in quoting the word, you will be the winner every time. Just like I was with my leg, just like I was with this. Whenever I got healed, it took a week on this, but after another week, my leg went, all the swelling went completely down. The second week and my leg became normal, but it took two more months for the king. And I don't know why it took him so long, because he could have done it in a heartbeat, but he had something he was showing to me. But it took him two months to grow the skin from one side of my leg to the other side to the middle. And when it joined, there was never a scab formed on my leg, only skin. In two months, He put it back, and to this day, my leg does not have a single mark where He put that skin back. No no transplants of skin. Jesus just grew new skin back. I stood on His Word. It took two, over two and a half months for it to happen. Now, that's what faith is. That's standing on the Word. Now, how many people are willing to do that? Okay, we got a few. Okay, we got a few more. Okay, if you're willing to do that and stand in faith, you'll get to see the Lord do your miracle every time. Now then, here's the secret. Make sure you walk holy before Him. Make sure you ain't got no unconfessed sin. Because if you've got some kind of little hidden sin over in the back corner that you know you shouldn't be doing, but you think it's so little that God don't see it, but it's so big, you can't live without it. That's what Paul calls your besetting sins. Will that little sin keep you from getting healed? Yes, it will. That little sin will give the devil legal rights. So when you step into the throne of God and bring your petition to the king, the devil will step right in and say, But God, you see that little sin right there that Thurman's got? He says, Yes, I see it. He said you, he's never confessed it. So it's still legal claim against Him. And as long as i got that sin and I've not put it under the blood, then He has legal claim to block all my prayers. But the minute that I get all of my prayer, all of my sins confessed, and I walk holy. Now, if you walk in the Spirit, the Word of God says, if you walk in the Spirit, the blood of Jesus continuously cleanses you from all unrighteousness. So when you walk in the Spirit, you don't walk in the world. You walk in the realm of the Spirit over there where God is. And you're constantly letting the Word of God come out of your mouth. By doing that, you're not sinning. So you're walking holy before God. And so the, the power of the devil cannot touch you. And that's how I've walked in the last 20 years without one minute of sickness or disease. Not one. Now, if I can do that by quoting the Word, can you do it, Dick? Yes. Anybody can do it. But you're going to have to learn to talk. You're going to have to learn to talk because your mouth, out of your mouth, you will be snared by the words out of your own mouth. And this is how easy it is. You speak a word of curse upon yourself and you will be sick. Anything that's not of faith is sin. So you're going along, just like last night at the healing school. The gentleman didn't plan to do it. But here I'd, I'd been up, of course, I, you know, I didn't get to bed till 2 o'clock uh, yesterday morning. And then I got up and went and got taught a healing school. And, and I didn't get through teaching there till 5.30 or so yesterday afternoon. And some of you were there yesterday. And, you know, I'm still just strong as I am right now. And I get through and I'm back there standing around. One well, of the guys come up and said, I know you must be completely wore out. I said, don't you dare speak a word curse on me in the name of Jesus. People think, I wasn't speaking your word cursely. I mean, he's here today. So, See, he was doing that just because that's the way we've been trained. See? We think like people instead of like God. So you need to stop thinking like men and start thinking like God. So because God's word, when it comes in, he says, the Lord is my strength. So if the Lord is my strength, how often do I have to get tired? Only when I want to. That's how sometimes I stay up to 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, making radio shows and all that stuff, and get up the next morning and blow and go just like this morning. I got in bed at one fifteen this morning. Got up at 7 o'clock. I got in bed yesterday morning at 2 or 2.30. This morning I got in bed at one fifteen, Got up at 7 o'clock this morning. Wasn't taught a Bible study class. And now come down here with you all today. And I'm, I don't feel like I had eight hours sleep last night. I mean, I feel wonderful because the Lord is my strength. Amen. Yeah. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Nothing shall be impossible with me because God is in me. If Christ is in me, the hope of glory, then I have no limitations. So if you learn to talk like that, then if somebody says, do you believe you can heal the sick? Absolutely. When I lay hands on them, who's in me? The healer. So when I lay hands on them, I impart him, the healer, to them. So when I touch him in the name of Jesus, the healer in me flows into them and they get healed. Do you think it's possible for me to deliver a human being? Yes. I touched him in the name of Jesus. And when I do, the power that's in me, the Holy Spirit delivers and knocks the devil out of them, and they get healed. Isn't it wonderful? Now, how many people are supposed to be able to do that? All Christians. Every Christian is supposed to be able to do that. But now, what if, what if you say, like, like this Baptist guy did the other day down in Florida, he said, but you know, sir, that Mark 16, 17, 18, so where you can cast out devils and heal the sick, he said, that was written to the first apostles. And that ended at the apostolic age. I said, oh, I said, is that true? I said, I didn't know that. He said, oh yeah, that's the way it is. I said, "Then he didn't say that these signs shall follow the apostles. He said, these signs shall follow them that believe. I said, so if you don't believe, I said, it ended for you at the apostles. But I said, I don't believe that, so I'm a believer. So I said, when I lay hands on the sick, they get healed all the time. <laughs> Are you serious? I said, yeah. How many of you seen healed? I said, I don't know. I lost count, about 2,000. I said, I don't know since then. I don't have any idea. I mean, I totally... I mean, you know, for a while, you know, you try to remember every person. I mean, I did. You know, for the first few years, I could say, man, I mean, I saw one person healed this year. It was real easy for me to remember who that was. And then the next year, I got to see four maybe I said, Lord, I, I got to see four people healed this year. It's pretty easy to remember four people. And then when you get to where in a healing school, sometimes you see four, five, six, eight in one day. You, you get to where forget it, Lord. You just keep up record. I'm not even going to try no more. I'm not even going to try. So, I mean, just like if Cheryl, if Cheryl hadn't come over here to this church, I mean, I would have never known what happened to her. You know, she come to a healing school. She repented. I laid hands on her and said, be healed. I said, I guarantee you're healed, woman. Now, then, she could have left like lots of people and never seen me again. I would have never known. But, I mean, boy, I mean, she was so grateful she started coming to our church. The Lord healed her. Now, then we had another woman here a while back come over here, and she said, You know, I, I come to one of your healing schools two years ago, and I was healed instantly of arthritis, uh, not arthritis, but uh, I'm trying to think what it is. Anyway, I can't think right now. But, uh, anyway, whatever it was she is healed of, uh, di- she was a diabetic, that's what it was. She, had, she was a diabetic. And she said, I was instantly healed of diabetes when I repented and you laid hands on me. I said, well, why didn't you call me and tell me? She said, well, I've just been feeling so good and hadn't had no problems. I just hadn't come back to see you, so I thought I'd come to your church and tell you. Well, a year later when she walked in here and told me, I didn't know. There's no telling how many people that you pray for that gets healed. If you pray in faith, when you pray in faith and you start praying in faith, what's going to start happening? Miracles, that's right. When you start praying in faith, you quote the word. Somebody like uh, Eldon said there a while ago, the woman with a jaw. Can I pray for you? You know what most people do? Let me take you to the doctor. No, 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 no. Let's pray first. You know, let's forget this doctor. We got the best doctor in the universe. And he said in his word, if two of us on earth agree about anything, he said, anything you ask me in my name. I mean, it's just the book is just full of promises. Lay hands on the sick and they'll get well. I mean, just over and over and over. So let's start taking those promises, acting on them, and expecting the Lord. When you take one of His promises, quote it to the person, say, Ma'am, I know you knocked your jaw out of socket, but I'm going to take this right promise right here in God's Word, and I'm going to quote it, and I'm going to ask the Lord according to His Word to heal you. And when I do, I'm going to guarantee you He's going to do it. You think that makes the king happy? I know it does. And you know what he's going to do? You're going to start seeing the king do awesome miracles. And the first few two or three times that he does it, you're gonna be just like Deanna over here. First time she and give a testimony, laid hands on a girl at work, she said, and it really worked. I'll never forget that day, Deanna. But you know, we are shocked when the king shows up for us the first time or two, aren't we? But you need to get to where that's a normal, everyday expectation as daughters and sons of the king. You should never be in the hospital yourself. You ought to be casting out demons and healing everybody sick in your block. That's where we should be. Pray in faith. Nothing wavering. But if the devil don't leave when you pray, don't give up and run to the doctor. That's where too many people go. And some of you go to the doctor and you suffer more to the doctor than you would if you'd have stayed home and trusted God. Guarantee. And the one thing about it, I can guarantee you, that doctor ain't going to treat you for free. And that hospital's not free. I'm going to tell you that for the 30 days in ICU that my granddaughter lay in ICU while Jesus completely healed her, the doctors didn't do a thing except come in and look at her. I don't even know what the doctor bills run, but the hospital bill just to monitor her for 30 days while Jesus healed her costs quarter of a million dollars for 30 days. Does that sound like God? Not hardly. A quarter of a million dollars for that little girl to lay there in ICU, and I'm praying over her every day, and God totally heals her. Not a doctor puts a knife on her. In fact, she had one little real heavy-duty scar underneath her neck right here. They'd put a brace around her neck. And with all, where the, her face had been tore all to pieces with that brace under there. It so rubbed that with that neck thing they had under there that it caused a great big hard knot. And that knot has been there for, uh, well, nearly two years. But within two weeks, all the other places on her face was completely healed without a mark except that knot. And I continued to pray over that knot and praise God. And the other day I happened to look at her when she's in there and the thing is completely gone. Not a sign of it there. So, how long did it take? Two years. So, don't give up. Continue to praise and worship the King and thank Him for His promises. And all of His promises are yes and amen to His children all the time. Now, He says, don't cast away your confidence when you ask Me for something. Don't cast away your confidence. Remain strong in the faith. Being patient because you have need of patience. And that's something we don't do well. But you have need of patience. That's okay, Lord. I'll, that's okay, Lord. i got patience as long as it happens in five minutes. But if this pain persists in my body, Lord, I ain't got, I'm going to have to go to the doctor. He said, okay, I'm in no hurry. Go ahead and go if you want to. Suffer if you want to. You know what I mean? if You, you want to be patient, but he said, you ain't going to get no better down there. He said, I ain't going to help you down there either no faster than I will here. It's the only difference is they're going to charge you an arm and a leg, and you're going to be in pain down there. So you might as well distrust trust God. But it takes great faith to do that. And if you trust God, he said, after you have need of patience, he said, if you remain faithful after the will of God has been done in your life, then you will receive your promise. His promises are always yes and amen. Never know. So if the promises are always yes and amen, and he promised to heal all of our diseases, then why should any Christian ever go to a doctor? Number one, we need to make sure our sin are confessed and we know how to keep the devil out. Because as long as you don't sin, he can't get in. If you live in unbelief, He'll come in. Sure. Now, if you've not been taught how to stay in total faith, I can assure you He'll come in once in a while and put you to the test. And when He does, when He attacks your body, it's going to be a fight. It's going to be a fight. But how many people have we seen healed? Some of them instantly, right here in this congregation, when they repented of unbelief. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? See, unbelief, God, don't, He don't like unbelief. He expects us to believe him. After all, he's only the King of the Universe, only the King. Yeah, see what I mean? Okay. Now then, if anybody uh, has any prayer request or anything, we're going to pray for you here in just a minute. Uh, we're going to do what, honey? Oh, to Anna? I don't know. I just prayed for her. I haven't heard back from her, so I don't have a clue. I just prayed that prayer for her Friday morning, so I haven't heard back from Anna. But you know what happened to her? If she believes with me. She's healed. Of course she is. She's healed. But I'm going to be trusting the Lord. Of course, Anna's not been trained very good. I've not had, I didn't have a lot of time, probably only an hour with her on the telephone. That's why I do so much teaching at a healing school. Four or five hours of teaching at a healing school before I pray for people. Because faith comes by what? Hearing. hearing. How many times? Hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the Word. Over and over and over and over, so if you speak it if I, if I, did you know something, if I tell you something and you believe it, and maybe I tell you a lie, but if you speak it over and over and over, enough times you know you 'll get to where you 'll believe that so if you go around saying, "Thank you, God is in me, Christ is in me the hope of glory now is that a lie? no, that 's not a lie. Christ is my healer. Jesus healed me on the cross. He forgave me for all my sins. I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. Nothing is impossible with me because Christ is in me. Now, if you go around saying all those things all day, if you do, is anything I just said come out of the Word of God? Every bit of it did. That's right. If every bit of it come out of the Word of God and you speak the words, then you're going to live over here in the realm of faith. And what's your limitations? None. No limitations. Anytime you need to do something you can't do it, you call on the Father in the name of Jesus. He said, call on me and I'll answer you. If you're walking holy before Him, when you call on Him, He'll answer you. I mean, I've had Him speak to me. I kept up with it to about 30 times. And I don't even know how many times in the Spirit the Lord has spoken to me, but by audibly, I've heard His audible voice at least 30 times in the last 25 years. At least 30. I could sit down and record that many different ones. But when I need Him, I call on Him and He answers me. Now, sometimes, do I call in my answers right then? No. Sometimes I have to stay on these doorstep for two or three or four or five hours. Mm. Now, Lord, You promised I need an answer. Mm. And, Lord, thank You for the answer. You never forget to thank You. And you sit there for a little bit and you don't hear nothing. You say, now, Lord, You said right here, call in to You and You'll answer me. So, Lord, I've got to have an answer. I don't know how to do this. Now, Father, in Jesus' name, You promised to talk to me. So, Lord, what do I do here in this? And thank You, Lord, for the answer. You wait a few minutes. If you don't hear, you do it again. And finally... Two hours, three hours, five hours later, he says, son, this is your answer. I've had him do that to me. And here's the beautiful part. Like with Caleb that day, when Caleb was being tormented by that demon, that poor little nine-month-old baby that's screaming for his whole life. When my wife told me Caleb was just screaming and couldn't, you know, I mean, he wouldn't eat, he, he couldn't sleep. Uh, my wife said, I never met a child I couldn't keep till I run into Caleb. But Caleb screamed all the time. He was only nine months old. He was the, the child of a couple, wonderful couple that lived, that worked in a, I mean, one church, in a Baptist church. So they were normal Christians. You know, they didn't know anything about God's word as far as the spiritual things. I, that's where I live most of my life. You know, so I know. So anyway, whenever this little baby, my wife said, I kept him for three weeks, honey, and I can't keep him. All he does is scream. So I just knelt down. I, first of all, I. Before he was there, I just looked up and I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, that's not normal. I said, Father, in Jesus' name, would you please tell me what's wrong with Caleb? I said, Lord, thank you for the answer. And just like that, just like that, the Lord said, tormenting spirit. I mean, I heard it just as clear as a bell, tormenting spirit. I said, oh, honey, I know what's wrong with him. So in the morning when Mama brings little Caleb, nine months old, sets him in a high chair. He's screaming. She leaves crying that morning. As soon as she gets out of sight, you know, because you know you don't want to do these things to a Southern Baptist mother, you know, because... You know, she don't understand what you're doing. And, and so, you know, you just wait till Mama gets out of sight. Right. And so when Mama gets out of sight, I knelt down in front of his here reached up and grabbed him by the shoulders and kind of shook him just a little bit. And he turned and looked at me right now and I said, You tormenting spirit of hell, you're coming out of him. I'm a man of God and I know my authority. And I said, you coming out of him, you're going to bed of hell, and you ain't never coming back to Caleb. Amen. I said, Do you hear me in Jesus' name? I said, Go! Amen. I stood up and said, Thank you, Lord, for giving me power over the demons. I looked at Mama and said, Honey, I guarantee you and Caleb have a great day today. Right. I didn't say, maybe you'll have a good day. I said, guarantee you'll have a good day. Because if I spoke spoke to that demon and I done it in faith, what that beast got to do? Got to go. The Word says he does. That afternoon, I come in about 7 o'clock. First thing I walked in the door, my wife said, honey, you're not going to believe the day me and Caleb had to die. What makes you think I ain't going to believe the day? I said, you had a good day, didn't you? She said, yes, he didn't cry all day. She said, he slept an hour this morning and an hour and a half this afternoon. Well, when I finally told that story over and Ponder one night at a ladies' group, happened to be a group, but Caleb's daddy happened to be there that night. Uh-oh. And so at the end of the service, he'd come down and he said, Mr. Scrivener, I didn't know what you did whenever my wife said you and your wife prayed for my baby, and tonight you told the truth what happened, that you cast a demon. He said, I knew you'd done something. But I said, the day my wife brought that baby home, he's been a totally different baby. That he's been a good boy. He's not cried or nothing. But said for the first nine months, all he did was scream. From the day he was born, he screamed. If you got a demon tormenting you and you're a little baby, what are you going to do? You're going to scream. You don't know what else to do. I mean, here's this little guy and here's this demon inside who's running around pinching him on the arm, you know, and in the ears and doing everything else. And he's tormenting him. He's a tormenting demon. But when a man of God Gets a hold of them demons, and you run them beasts off in Jesus' name. And that demon goes back to the pit, and where he comes, the little boy, all of a sudden, he ain't got no more demons. Amen. Now then, life's good. Oh, right. See, isn't it wonderful to know the Lord? Oh, Absolutely. Isn't it wonderful what you can do in the name of Jesus? Praise Amen. the King. Well, we're going to have a good report from Hannah, Hannah I mean, right. I hope, very soon. Because I'm going to believe that girl's going to be in faith with me. Yes. Aren't you? Praise the King. All right, Any, anything, sir? Any, if I'll well, tell you, if anybody... Uh, do what? Tape. Tapes. Oh, yeah, I need to mention my tapes, yeah. We've got all kinds of audio and video tapes back there, and they're all free. Take anything you want. Of course, we do have a donation box over here in the corner. As you go out, if you want to donate for the tapes or give to our ministry, that's the way we support the ministry, of course. But anything back there, we've got audio, video tapes, uh, everything on all kinds of teaching, many of the services and everything else we've got back there, uh, testimonies and all kinds of things. And today we're going to sing, I don't know what song we're going to sing, but we're going to sing one song. And when we sing this song, then we're going to invite anybody that needs to make any kind of a decision to come up here. We're going to pray for you. And when you come, make sure you have all your sins confessed and make sure you believe God's going to do something for you. Because if you believe He's going to do something for you, when we pray for you, what does He do, young lady? He delivers you. That's right. Our Lord is the deliverer. We must expect... Him to do what He said He would do, but He wants it, but He's a faith God. If you don't ask Him in faith, nothing happens.